This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, how can we learn to cope and get through disasters and tragedies? President of Strategic Business Risks International, Carolyn Sinclair, helps us understand what our brain goes through in moments of crisis and how we can help each other process these events and be a stand for each other and drop stigma around these events. It's game showy on the Shift. Our trivia goes back to the 1980s with a look at TV shows early in the decade. Can Shane win his second round in a row or will Brendan regain his crown. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Shane, by the way. Just don't mind me. I don't always speak in the third person like that, but that's all right. Plus, are you okay with haunted houses? This is the Shift Podcast. We have a uh, little uh, uh, segment here that we like to do. It's a trivia-based segment. It is Throwback Thursday, Flashback Friday, and we're flashing back to some early 80s new wave, and uh, that means we should probably play Game Showy. That's right. It's time for Game Showy. It's trivia on the radio. And we couldn't come up with a name for it, so we called it Game Showy. And here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, well, thanks, Bob and the enormous audience. Oh, you sound completely real and not fabricated by two people with microphones. That's right. The most game show, game show around. Oh, let's play some trivia, my friend. Uh, so, uh, do you want me to get into the themes, uh, Shane? You want to introduce them, and I'll get into the rules, or should I just take yeah. it away here? That's right, Ryan. Your categories are early 80s TV characters, early 80s TV songs and sounds, and early 80s places and spaces. Ryan? If you get the answer right on this complicated trivia question, Rama Rama, you'll hear this. What? Hey! Question Rama Rama. Oh, okay. kind of like that. It's like Banana Rama. Like, there you go. New oh, way. Yeah. Uh, if you get it wrong. Uh, okay, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. We got two things. Okay. First All off, right. you each get to use the text line once. However,. Okay. Your answer must come from the text line. So if I oh. give you, if you say, I would like blank, blank, and I give you the question, and you say, I'd like to go to the text line, you cannot answer until there is a text. Okay? Ooh, we could that is where the while. text line is important. Okay? Yeah. But they may say, Don't you. let me down. Come now, on, Shift Heads. Don't let us down. 877-399-9898. Dial it in your phone right now and have it ready to go. So when the question comes up, you can text your answers. Yes. And it is important to note that we're not just playing for one point. I mean, it's the 80s. So instead, we will be playing for cans of hairspray. You can now, unlike any other game show and the existence of game show, ask for a question within a category that has a number of points assigned to it, such as one can of hairspray, two Ooh. cans of hairspray, Ooh. or three cans of hairspray. I love this. I love hairspray. Yes. Oh, this is thunk. like getting the bad showcase on Price is Right. What am I going to do with <laughs> hairspray? Style uh, your beard. If. Shiny. Make your head shiny. Ooh. And shinier. Also use a, shinier. Use a lighter. <laughs> Blowtorch. Burn things. Mm. It's, it's a little weird. but Yeah, yeah okay. that's interesting. Okay, well. Um, like, like you weren't 12. Mm. 
Yeah, you were in done it. you were in the Niagara Peninsula when you were twelve years old. Don't tell me you didn't set things on fire. Yeah, and I was reading Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> I was that kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Okay, right. love it. All right. All well, right. let's get started. Who wants to go first? Do I hit the? Okay. You gotta hit the thing. Yeah, hit the song. Do I hit the song? Let me hear the song. Yeah, hit the. Yeah, let me hear the song. Say it again. Let's get started. It's time for game showy. Let's get started. Let's get into categories. (laughs) Early '80s TV characters, early uh, '80s uh, TV show songs, and early. 80s places and spaces i believe shane won last time so brendan kelly uh you uh yeah he did uh yeah he got the oh yeah he got that question that was worth 10 billion points at the end because he didn't get any Uh, i'll make the rules yeah yeah yeah, i do uh so brendan kelly uh please go ahead and uh kick us off Okay, I can't wait to get all the questions right and still somehow lose. Um, I'm going to go with the 80s TV show theme songs. Oh, very good. Now, what value? How many cans of hairspray? One can, two can, or three cans? The difficulty of the question increases with the quantity of cans. Uh, I'll go uh, three cans. Three cans right off the bat. Three cans? Wow. Open up a huge lead. All right, well... I'm going to start with a difficult question, all right? This is a hard one. The theme song for the short-lived teen sitcom called Square Pegs was sung by this new wave group. Was it Oingo Boingo, Devo, Duran Duran, or The Waitresses? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. See, high risk, high reward for going for three cans. It seems like something. It seems like something the waitresses would do. I'm gonna go with the waitresses. The waitresses, the short-lived teen sitcom featuring Jamie Gertz, Square Pegs. The intro song was indeed created by the waitresses. There you go. That is three cans. Three cans for Brennan Kelly. I thought you said it was going to be a difficult question. He's like the new 80s new wave guy. Like you said, the I've difficult never question. Heard of it. Well, I just, I'd never even heard of the show or the, the band before. So it it's been a while. It doesn't so. seem like something any of those other bands would do. I would say Oingo right. Boingo. I thought Oingo Boingo would throw you off because Danny yeah. Elfman Danny is Elfman. all uh, Who would yeah, sell out for money, other, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's really it. All right, so Brendan Kelly's leading with three cans of hairspray. Yes. All right. Shane, take yep. it away. Take it away. Uh, well, boy, now this puts pressure on, doesn't it? I'm going to go with mm-hmm. uh, 80s TV characters for two cans. I'm going to go with the for modern two, approach. Two cans. You got it. This sitcom featured an alien from the planet Melmac. Oh, come on. In the finest, final episode of the series, the alien is captured by the Alien Task Force. At the end of the episode, we are told to be continued, except it never was continued. Your question is, what show was that? Was it Mork and Mindy, Third Rock from the Sun, Alienation, or Alf? Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, Alf, please. Alf is correct. Yes. 
so Although I almost easy. said Mork and Mindy, I didn't really think about it. There you go, you got sci-fi the correct there. Well done. Is that the Alf theme song? Yeah, is that the cover Alf? from a band? Oh. Yeah, I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is this bass I'm hearing right now? I get the you gist get of it. I get the gist. All right, all oh, right okay. so two all cans right. of hairspray for Shane, three for Brennan. Yes. All right. Uh, Brendan, my friend, please, uh, a reminder of the categories, early 80s TV characters, early 80s TV shows and sounds, and early 80s places and spaces. Where are uh, we go next? I guess I got to go with places and spaces because we haven't done it Places yet, right? and spaces. A three can, two can, or one can? Uh, I'll go with spray. the two cans. Two I'm cans of hairspray. Two cans of hairspray. righty. Name this 80s sitcom by its workplace, the Stratford Inn. Is it Silver Spoons, Kate and Allie, Newhart, or Cheers? I want to say Kate and Allie. Kate and Allie is incorrect it is not kate and ally oh that's too bad the correct answer is new heart never watched it not uh, the, once uh, i love new the heart song is uh composed by henry mancini who wrote the song moon river okay moon river wasn't new heart like a dream didn't it end really woke up and it was like yeah yeah it did yeah uh daryl interesting my brother daryl my other brother daryl I'm Larry. That was my brother, Joe. I, I want to go, like, to Connecticut, like, upstate New York and all that. Like, I have a, yeah. I have this romanticized vacation romantic getaway planned to a bed and breakfast just because of Newhart. Change your life. Hmm. Cool. <sighs> all right. Love it. Still, Brendan Kelly leads three cans to Shane's two cans of hairspray. All right, I'm going to go with the... Uh, I have a chance to... I'm going to take a one-can lead maybe here. Yep, you can and take I'm a one-can lead, um, or you could go ahead with a larger lead. I know, but I'm not as risky. Brennan Kelly, he's a rebel. Mm-hmm. TVs, 80s TV characters. I'm going to go with three cans. Three cans, 80s three TV characters. cans. Okay, you got it. Here we go. All Here's right. your question. Okay. Which 80s show featured the following characters? Blair, Joe, Natalie, Tootie, and Mrs. Garrett. Oh, your options are easy ones. We could sing the, the Facts theme of song. Life, Hello Larry, Different Strokes, or Charles in Charge. Oof. Well, Tootie really gives that one away. Yeah. That's Facts of Life, baby. That is Facts of Life. With the uh, and there you have the facts of life. Looney. Was, show George Clooney was on every 80s sitcom. That's true. <laughs> yes, from what I have learned. All right, well, there you go. Shane is now up in the lead with five cans of hairspray. Shane, you've got enough hairspray to do a proper 80s hairdo now. You can have my yes. hairspray. I don't, I don't need Flock it. of seagulls. Flock of seagulls. Yeah, style, maybe, yeah, maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe the incentive for the bald guy is just not enough here with cans of hairspray. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Brennan Kelly. Uh, it's your go, my friend. Uh, I'll go with theme songs for two theme cans. Songs for two cans. For Tied two cans up. of hairspray, name this TV show based on just the theme alone. Oh, sorry. I was still celebrating my correct question back oh, there. With the well, fact let me, of life. Let me play the, the song here. here. 
Yeah. Okay, two cans of hairspray. You probably should ask hairspray. that question again because I interrupted it. Yeah, rudely. Yes. Sorry. Okay, Brenda Kelly, you have asked for a question within the songs category. Your question is, for two cans of hairspray, name this show just based on the theme alone. Good. I wasn't alive yet. Um, I'm not old like Shane. Hey, easy. Oh, like you were in spicy. college when this. Excuse stuff me was while out. I argue with you and run my fingers through my hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, 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 hey! This is a PG-13 yeah, at the most show. That's not nice. Can't help <laughs> genetics. Um, let's see. I don't have no idea what that theme song. A okay. night boat. Night well, boat. You can go to the text. You can go to the text <laughs> line. That's made out. Okay, Night Rider. Actually, night boat is from actually, The Simpsons. No, yeah. no, no, it's Night Night Rider. What does it go? Night, night Rider. Uh, Miami is, Vice. Wait, what? What's your answer? <laughs> it's good. He's confused. I got you. Night Boat, Night Rider, and Miami Vice. Politician here. Uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Miami Vice. Miami Vice is the correct answer. Nice. That was the Miami Vice theme song. Oh, I'm going with Night Boat. Night Boat. I want to make boat. that. It's from the Coming Simpsons. Soon, it's great. NBC. Nice. Well done. Okay. That was uh, that was for two cans. So we've got a tie now at five cans of hairspray yes. each. Yes. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, let's go with. Yes. So we have a tie, hey? I think yeah, I want to go tie. back to... Uh, 80s TV characters for two cans, please, Bob. For two cans. You got it. Okay. Uh, what star of The Breakfast Club was also in the original cast for The Facts of Life? Why is he getting Facts of Life questions? I, I, it's just, it's random. Google. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's what movie? What star of The Breakfast Club was also part of the original cast for Facts yep. of Life. Molly Ringwald. That is correct. Yes, yes. Molly Ringwald. Uh, John Hughes, movie legend, and just all-around great actor uh, in Facts of Life. Uh, excellent. Okay, there you go. Shane right. has uh, gone ahead. A bit of a comeback here. He's ahead by two Night cans boat. of hairspray. Night boat. Can I acknowledge um, Brennan's last guess because uh, with his nightboat guess? Uh, I also was unsure if it was going to be. Uh, that sounded like Airwolf to me. Airwolf. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which was like the Night Rider, but with a helicopter. It's wicked. Wait, is this an actual show, or you're just? Coming oh, it's up a with... real show. You need to Are Google Airwolf, buddy. Yeah, sure. I love the 1980s. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was like the eighteen okay. meets Night Rider, and yeah. uh, except in a helicopter. Yeah. Okay. Excellent night boat. Um, all right, uh, Brendan, really uh, Brendan Kelly, we got uh, still lots of questions that you can uh, pull ahead here or uh, take it, uh, uh, take a little bit safe. Yeah. What are you feeling? I'll go with places and locations for three cans. Oh, Ooh, three deep. cans. Okay, this is a good one. Okay, I get it because I wasn't alive. On the CBS sitcom Kate and Allie, <laughs> two divorced women share an apartment along with their children. What neighborhood is that apartment in? Is it Arbor Village, Greenwich Village, Eaton Village, 
or Woodridge Village? It was ritzy. I'm guessing it's one. It it's was a village. Yeah, it's a village. It was ritzy though, because they they always lived in big, huge, middle class houses that you could not afford these days. Yeah. Right. It's in New York. Yeah, downtown New York, and they they were like. <laughs> Working like what looked like minimum wage jobs. It's mm-hmm. like, how could they do that? Because you could do that in 1984. You could do that in the 19th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Greenwich Village. Greenwich does sound the most bougie, and Greenwich is correct. Kate's in a, Kate and Allie share an apartment. Think it's a, I don't think it's actually Greenwich. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Greenwich Village. Greenwich. Well, it's probably <laughs> okay. That's actually really funny because I've never seen the show, obviously, and I'm, I was just trying to make and it's just spelt Green Witch, but Green Witch, Green Witch. That's funny. I didn't oh, even goodness. think of that. I love that. Okay, wow. Well, okay, so uh, eight Brendan cans. is now ahead by one point. Oh. One can. One can of hairspray. Oh, so I got to go with two. Um, I got to go with two. Well, there's only one question left with two cans of hairspray, so I'm going to have to take yes. places and spaces for two cans of hairspray, please, right? Okay, you got it. All right. Which TV show based in Peaksill, New York, was a spinoff of Different Strokes? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I know the I answer. Swear. You might as well read yes, the options. Yes, I know. I know the Just, answer, too. This is really funny because this is completely <laughs> random. Like all of the questions are, I promise you, listeners, this is all randomized. And the order that they picked them has now led to Shane getting three questions in a row that are all based on the same TV show. Well, the answer is facts answer? of life. It's yes. facts of life. You don't even have That's to give me the options. So it was a funny. spinoff of the different strokes. That is so funny. Well, there you go. Shane feels ahead with one point. I can't believe that. That literally, I don't know how that happened. That's oh, fantastic. Thank you, Tootie. Tootie saved yeah. the day. Yeah, Tootie started it all. Well, there we go. Um, yeah. Uh, that's Thanks showing. for listening to Game Showing. It's a game show on the radio with trivia. All of the questions and answers are completely random, and this is not an endorsement of the facts of life. Get your pets spayed or neutered. Congratulations to Shane, who wins two weeks in a row. Man, can't I just celebrate one time? This is the Shift Podcast. Well, it's been a heck of a week, hasn't it? Uh, Not only with everything that's gone on in Texas, but, you know, we do have COVID, actually. We do have the war in Ukraine. We get just flooded with these images all the time. And uh, it's an awful lot to take in. And as much as crisis is usually, see, now we struggle with crisis because crisis is so relative, right? It's like stress. And, and um, uh, compression is the word that I like, to, I like to use. When we are compressed for whatever reason, whether that's something happened on the side of the road, which was something a couple of months ago that my son witnessed for the first time was a crash. Uh, and it turned out to be a fatal crash. Uh, first time that I had seen that. Um, you know, we get in these moments of compression and it's days, frankly, before you get clear, just back to some, some semblance of being able to at least reconcile 
what happened, these moments of compression. So with everything that's gone on, we wanted to have a conversation about that. I call it compression. It's PTSD and so much more that 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 is involved in this is the proper terminology. Uh, SBRI is the organization, Strategic Business Risks International. Carolyn Sinclair is president. And um, uh, Carolyn, thanks for being here. We're talking about uh, how do we how do we recover? What what do we go through? Um, how do we look at this? Because if we don't learn from Texas and at least take that into our own lives, whether it is a car crash, whether it is a, frankly, divorce, or whether it's anything like that, losing your job. I mean, these are all moments that create uh, that compression in our lives. Is that wildly inaccurate or, or how are we doing there? Because I would like to get it right into everyone's life. Well, I, I don't know if we'll ever get it right because our, our right changes daily. Um, you mentioned the recent incidents. And here in Canada, we've had our own incidents. When you think of Ecole Polytechnique, uh, Dawson College, with schools specifically, um, there's people still struggling from the trauma that they um, were exposed to or were part of. So when you think of the example that, um, unfortunately, you and your son was involved in, in, in observing or viewing a, a fatal accident, those impressions, they stick with us. And uh-huh. when we look at what we are seeing and hearing, people aren't realizing how impacted they are by their media sources or what people are talking about over coffee. And then you think about how are people who are actually up close and intimately involved in that exposure so it's complicated. It's very complicated mm-hmm. and it's complex. Um, it is. And, 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 you know, I always come back to the place as a broadcaster where people will say, you know, sort of the fake news, right, uh, yeah. assertion that comes with being a broadcaster. But what would you rather have? Would you do you need to know uh, what's accurate? Do you like because some things just are ugly. And we've led quite a sheltered life. I mean, if you go backwards 70, 80 years, a lot of the information we were getting fed was very much filtered. It was very much passed on. We weren't seeing all the storms. And I think even the climate conversation in today's world is a great example of that, is that yes, climate is a conversation we need to have. We have access to more climate stories than yeah. we've ever ever had before. So the, the world today has given us access to it. Does it mean it's happening more often? Well, maybe statistically it is, but it doesn't mean it was never happening. We just didn't know about it. And so naivety is a beautiful thing, Carolyn. It, it truly is. But if we're going to ask for the unfiltered info, we've got to be prepared for how ugly that can be. And it, we probably don't have the tools to deal with it. I think a lot of people don't have the tools, but a lot of people also aren't uh, sourcing their resources. You know, they're not putting their media diets on when needed. Do we need to know? Yes. Do we need to be curious? Absolutely. But do we need to have it all, all day long? Can we manage our intake and our exposure? On the side of the road, like, I mean, these active billboards we see um, that are actively changing and putting in, uh, you know, active headlines as we drive down the road, right? Like, we see that. Um, To me, great use of that would be an amber alert on the side of the road because something's gone wrong. Um, I don't need like I, I, Ukraine matters to me. It's part of the conversation here on the shift, but I don't think I need to see it when I'm driving to the grocery store yeah. to get an update on an active uh, digital billboard, you know? So yeah, I mean, we, there, there's gotta be a boundary. And those are some things that we have to put in place for ourselves. You know, there's some people walk the world low barrier, 
but there's others who they know they need that buffer. But that's also why some of that subliminal messaging is out there because they know um, that people are building their own barriers. They're, they're not looking. So now they're putting it right in your face. But you think about how many people never take the phone away from their face. So we, we need to be informed, but we need to be informed wisely and maybe even in timely, in timely fashion. What about this? It's okay to let other people worry about things that are not our problem. Um, and that, that's one thing that like in politics, we, we've always done. I think that politically, you know, we, we've, we've probably let them worry about too much. Um, and maybe we should be more active, but it is okay to let your finance friend worry about the finances. It's okay to let your daycare friend worry about taking care of the little kids. And it's almost like we've become such control freaks. We feel like we've got to have our finger on every single pulse all the time. And that must be quite disastrous for us because that creates all kinds of things, guilt, shame, all that stuff spirals in the background. But at the same time, you know, just going to work with that burden on our shoulders. Well, that too is something we have to try to think about managing differently. Find out what do we need to know and who are the people who can get us what we need to know? If we, if we want to um, have our hand on everything, then we have to think about the consequences. And as human beings, our brains were not designed to be multitasking on an ongoing basis. And when you take the influences that the pandemic climate change, war, overdose emergencies, public health emergencies have, our brains are not designed there. People are saying how tired they are and feelings of fatigue. It's, it's actually because their brain is exhausted of trying to make sense of things that it's, there's, no, there's no precedence for for it to make sense. So if you think of it like your brain being filing cabinets, our brains are opening these filing cabinet drawers looking to make sense of things that it can't. And it's physically, mentally, and spiritually exhausting for people. And they're not connecting the, all of the need, their needs to their exhaustion. And it's we just aren't designed to think that way. Right. Well, that makes sense. Okay, go back in time right into what everyone was going through with COVID. Remember when mm-hmm. COVID started and everybody was just resigned. There was a certain point where everybody was just resigned, right? Yeah. And uh, and that makes sense because we were trying to process things that we can't even compute. Even the experts can't even compute them. Yet we seem to think that we should have this remarkable ability to understand medical terminology all of a sudden, right? Like, uh, no, it's okay. It's okay for you to let the doctor be the doctor. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people have come to harm by going to Dr. Google instead of Dr. Smith. (laughs) Well, well, absolutely. But you, you say that, and, and I I think that that's, that's part of the temptation, right? Like WebMD is very great, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's also easy info that we feel like that we can process. Like we don't even know the Latin structures of the body. Uh, for the words and terminology, like the basic structures, yet we seem to think that we can go there and do that. Here's what I think is okay. Uh, my dog, I have a puppy. She's gone through her first heat. To me, Googling what that looks like to say, okay, what am I in for? That to me makes sense. I'm not Googling how to spay her, you know, and and boiling scalpels on the stove to, you know what I mean? Like, 
that to me seems like part of the balance, but yet we're so tempted. It's like a drug. It's in front of us. We can be smarter. I'll show you. It seems to come from this. I'm not good enough insecurity that we seem to somehow need to prove ourselves with all of this knowledge that isn't really ours anyway. It's not even a fit in our lives. It's not helpful either. It was just today someone said to me that they were Googling um, things, Googling symptoms, so they, they could name what they think is wrong with them. So instead of looking at how they feel and, and, and identifying with that, they're looking for a name of something, disease or something, because they just, yeah. they just know something's not right with them. And they, yeah. they just want it, a quick naming and a, and a fix. Yeah. Well, the psychology of trying to put it into a box so we feel like we can yeah. create some certainty around it, right? And and that's amazing, which by the way, you probably can't even pronounce the condition anyway. And it always leads back to cancer online anyway. So just like save yourself the Googling time, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it also leads you back to go to the Dr. Smith and and ask Dr. Smith. And if you don't like what Dr. Smith says, go to Dr. Johnson. So psychologically safe workplaces, I mean, when we look at what just happened in Texas, um, you know, how do we... I don't want to say recover because I don't think you ever really recover, but how do you learn how to cope? How do you learn how to get back into your workplace, get back into your life uh, with all of these things? We often forget about the neighbor, right? We often forget about the guy who lives across the street from the school that saw all this happen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, those families that are affected by stories like this, clearly they've got a lifetime of work to do. But there, we forget about the guy who lived across the street. We forget about the guy who, um, you know, saw a gunman walk into a school and didn't think anything of it and didn't report it and now has to live with that. I mean, these are all the people that are affected. It, it literally is endless. Well, and it that too is complicated, isn't it? It's when we look for primary and secondary victims. Um, mm. We need to be able to create opportunities for people to come with their grief and loss or their trauma so that there's a place for them to talk and talk a lot. But what mm. I don't think we move to quick enough is that there, there's a process that needs to take place to be healthy and that people don't hear enough that when they see, hear, smell, touch something traumatic, that they can heal, they can be well. And post-traumatic mm. growth is, is a journey that people can uh, learn and heal and come out at the, of the other end. But we don't talk about it up front. So a lot of people still associate stigma to their trauma. Wow. They, they associate um, being damaged or broken because they're not, they're not bouncing back. No one's talking to them about the importance of processing what they saw, processing what they're hearing. And as you know, when these incidents happen, they're seeing them multiple times a day and sometimes multiple times an hour on multiple devices. Right. Um, oh God, this goes so many places, right? Um, okay. In Canada, how are we doing with this? Um, I mean, the Texas story is not our country. Um, I, I think I come back to when I, when I listen to what you're saying, I think I come back to the frontline workers post COVID that have been seeing, you know, this exhaustion and this work and recklessness and maybe even disagreement with the politics around it, maybe even some disagreement with the organization and how they've handled it. The why do I have to work again this weekend while this person gets their mental leave, um, you know, whether they agree whether they deserve it or not and all the things that we go through as workers. How, how do you how do you talk to those people um, and how do we protect 
uh, ourselves from that because I would imagine the the resigned part and the exit <laughs> they've got to be just so prominent right now. Much of the work I do is just that. It's meeting people where they're at on the front line to one, let them know somebody cares. And two, to build that rapport and trust to say, you know what? Yeah, it's been a really crappy couple of years, but let's reflect. Let's look back on what we've come through and what challenges you've overcome and and what resilience you've demonstrated. For some people, and I hear it a lot, they feel guilty for not being um, impacted in a negative way because of, of all of this isolation. Some of them, they've actually done really well. Uh, you know what? I, I don't want to cut you off because I just want to insert this into your thought is we actually received a text message last week uh, from a construction person who said, I actually feel really bad because my work hasn't stopped. And I don't understand these people that have lost work and gone through all these things. And I actually feel guilty because I just don't get it. Yeah. Well, and, and I see a lot of those workers. Many of them are here in Vancouver from Alberta living in their motor homes because there's good work here. But think of their isolation from their families and the impact that it has for them. Um, it's, it's hard on their mental health when their work is so physical. It's exhausting. And it's lonely. Yeah. Well, which is probably the hardest part. Yeah. But they're not alone though, right? They're not alone. They're not the only one in that situation, number one. Uh, there are support systems and, and organizations like what you do. Uh, I always break it down to language, Carolyn. It always comes down to me to what is the language part? Because you said broken, right? Like mm -hmm. you're, we think we're broken. The reality is, is though, is when it comes to broken, you can't know broken unless you know fixed. You can't know hurt unless you know healthy right? So they have to coexist. They do coexist. So that means that in order to be broken, fix exists. It and does. if you can see it and it's, it doesn't mean it's, there's, there doesn't have to be a stigma around it because we've all gone through these moments of being, you know, broken. And then we often put ourselves back together again. It's just like being hurt and healed. Um, they coexist, they dance together, they have to be there. So how do we help people see that it isn't the end of the line. They're not all alone when, uh, to them, their occurrence of it is, this is, the, I am the only person here. I am so alone right now. From the outside, it's easy for us to say, well, you're not alone. But the reality is, is to them, it is so real right now. I do. I agree with you. It's real. But part of it is what we put upon them. And the reason I used um, the words broken is because that's what I hear people say they're being told or nobody wants to work with them because they don't feel safe with them. So they're not, they're not connecting um, the words to broken to healthy because it's laid upon them as a stigma. Yeah. So if we want to change that, then we have to start, as you've said, words matter. We've got to find different language around people's health and wellness and to, to remind them at the beginning that they can be well again, instead of saying, you're going to go on this long journey and hopefully you'll all be okay. We need to come alongside right at the beginning and be meeting them where they're at and talking about the importance of there is somebody else here and that there are people who will, who will help navigate the systems because it's very paralyzing for people once they've been labeled and in some of their professions, 
It means, you know, they, they no longer wear that uniform. They no longer are trusted in their role. Oh, it's got to be so hard. And the stigma we put, we're putting that up. We're, we're, we're creating the narrative and then the person who is vulnerable or uh, fragile or uh, exposed. I mean, they're just subscribing to the narrative that they get given from other people. Why wouldn't they? That and they makes don't total get, sense. and they don't get fresh script. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so who's, how do we give them fresh script? How do we, how, what are the language uh, you said words matter? What is the language we use? How do we do that? How do we get in front of people? Where do we refer them to? It, it is okay to say, look, call Carolyn. She knows the people. <laughs> I'll go with you. I'll be with you while you phone her. I yeah. will help you if you get nervous. I will drive you to the appointment. Um, but I need to let Carolyn Sinclair direct you to the places where you can, uh, uh, you know, get what you're looking for. So how do we how do we create that with the people around us? Because this goes from everything from COVID to stories like Texas to car crashes uh, to to bad bosses, bad coworkers, all the things that we hear. How where do we start? Prompt intervention. So someone doing just what you said, whether you take them to um, a crisis center or you uh, stay close and keep them safe. Um, the idea of being able to remind people that, you know, I, I'm, I'm here because I care about you and letting people know the benefits of prompt support, well-researched shows that outcomes are much prompter and much healthier when someone gets prompt support. When we think of trauma, we know that the sooner, the sooner people realize they have a supportive environment, they respond much quicker and much um, more robust recovery because they had that support. Where I hear from people saying, you know, I, I was off work for three months because I wasn't vaccinated and nobody even called me and I worked here for 25 years. So now right. their isolation is also traumatizing. Yeah. And then it's gone from the fact that A, not working, B, money, C, political, maybe faith attacks, like uh, all of those things start to yeah. spiral into this tornado of uh, I'm all alone now. In my writing, Carolyn, the way that I would say this, and, I, and I'm looking for either agreement or, or let me know if, if you would disagree. I think we need to... Uh, I also we, we we need to stop asking the question, how are you? Yes. Because it's too vague, it's too wild, and nobody ever answers it honestly anyway. Nobody does. Because nobody's going to say, how are you? Uh, well, uh, my dog ate part of a blanket last night. She hasn't pooped in a day, so I'm really worried that I can't afford surgery to get her fixed. No one's going to say that. That's yeah. truly what's going on. No one's going to say that. Um, I always say that we start the conversation instead of how are you, unless you're going to ask a specific question. Hey, Carolyn, how's Fido the dog? Then they can garner a specific answer. Um, don't ask, how are you? Don't ask, are you okay? Walk into the situation and say, Carolyn, I'm really glad to see you today. I just want you to know um, that I see that I'm going through all kinds of things and I appreciate your friendship and I just want you to know that I've got your back if you're going through things, right? And to start there, as opposed yeah. to the quiz, um, does that sound like a reasonable access point? If if you are really authentically going to be there for that person, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But some people are feeling so overwhelmed that they're afraid to, to be that courageous and ask that question because they don't know if they have the capacity. Right. So what I like to do is say, what matters to you now? What matters mm -hmm. to you right this minute? Because if I can help, I will. And if I can't, I'm going to try to find someone who can. Beautiful. I love it. 
um, it's good advice, and we should take that, frankly, into all aspects of our lives, crisis, compression, risks, and and so much more. Carolyn, thank you for the insight. Thank you for the info. Um, I, I feel like we barely even, I don't even think we even scratched the surface here of all the things. Is there it's any pa- party things that you, it is a big topic because it's health emergency, it's critical incidents, it's disasters, it's literally everything. You got dumped and you don't know how to deal with it. I mean, this is real life happening, Carolyn. Well, and the best gift we can give ourselves is our self-compassion, because the more we care about ourselves, the more capacity we have to help others. And all of us know someone who needs help. A little bit of grace. A little bit of grace. Uh, Carolyn Sinclair is president of Strategic Business Risks International. Uh, If you want to get connected with Carolyn, if anything comes to your mind here, we will happily pass that on. Um, So feel free. It's the shift.ca is our website. Shiftheads.ca will take you to the Facebook group and uh, we'll post that stuff there. Carolyn, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is so important for everybody, I think. So I'm really grateful. Well, thanks for sharing the message. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with haunted houses? I've shared with you my recurring nightmare about haunted houses. Yeah, you have. Um, I've only been in one, like, considered to be actually haunted house in my life. It was in Bronte Creek Park in Burlington. I'll never forget this. I used to watch this, like, kids version of Ghost Hunters on YTV when I was a kid. Uh, And there was this episode where they're in this house in, like, this national park. They didn't say where it was. And there was a gramophone that would play itself. And I walked into the house and saw the same gramophone. And I asked one of the workers, I was like, was this show on TV? And she said, yes. And I immediately screamed and ran out. No. <laughs> That's the, yes. I was terrified of that. That one episode in particular was spooky. But now, I was a kid then. Um, uh I enjoy it. There's that one house in Heritage Park, which in Calgary is, uh, if you're not from Calgary, never been. It's a village of, you know, old buildings and, you know, they're all dressed up and, you know, you kind of immerse yourself in what it was like to live in the 1800s in Calgary. And there's a house that is supposedly haunted. And I swear I saw a doll in that house look me dead in the soul. Um, Spooky, but also kind of exhilarating. And even if it's all hocus pocus and wrong or, or, you know, not true, I still think it's like kind of fun now. But as a kid, no, 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 nay, nay, my friends. Uh, Brendan Kelly, are you okay with haunted houses? No, you know, no. I mean, being from Niagara Falls, everything's a wax museum or a haunted house. Kind of wears off Mm. after a while, you know, the Mm -hmm. novelty having a haunted yeah. house on every corner it's not so haunted it's anymore true. Yeah. all right i i you know i th- there's magic to it there's you know the the, the ghosties kind of like that part as long as they're the yeah. friendly ghosties can i just be particular mm-hmm. and say that the scary ghosties are inconvenient and the cool ghosties <laughs> the fun ones the playful ones you know that you're welcome i think that's fair well there's one haunted house that is so haunted inspired a film franchise uh, you may have heard of it. It's called The Conjuring. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? 
<laughs> when I saw that movie, there was a lady sitting beside me that was doing the sign of the cross at the end of the movie because she was so terrified. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the home that inspired those movies went up for sale earlier this year. A reportedly haunted Rhode Island home is back on the market in Burrowville, the farmhouse on Round Top Road, inspiring the horror movie series The Conjuring. It previously sold to new owners in 2019, and they have been operating tours and renting the home overnight to ghost hunters. The owners before that had said after the first movie came out, they had been plagued by curious trespassers. So now realtors for Mott and Chase Sotheby's tell us that the asking price is $1.2 million, and they recommend to continue to operate that home as a museum. Uh, okay. That's from WPRI News. That home was just sold for 27% over its original asking price. Uh, Jacqueline Nunez, owner of Boston-based Wonder Group, has agreed to pay $1.525 million for the house. McGrath said Nunez's interest in the property is personal. She has an interest in the spiritual McGrath said she believes that there's some spiritual activity that happens in the house. Now, would you stay in a haunted house overnight? Like touristy overnight, style. Overnight? I would go there and do a tour, absolutely. I don't think I would stay there. And it's not because I'd be afraid of being haunted. I just would not be able to sleep. Because even the simplest of house sounds, like something creaking, would freak me out. And it would just totally ruin the illusion of it so i'd rather just do a walking tour i don't think i would mm. sleep there i don't think i could i would i think that would be great because like if the spirits get you then aren't you bound to haunt the the place for the rest of eternity as well and then you've got something to do for the rest of <laughs> for eternity yeah that's an interesting choice to spend eternity but i guess you could have some fun with that's it something to do i don't know what else yeah. is out there but, <laughs> but i know it's spooky something to do yeah Okay, I find this conversation quite concerning. Um, the Amity- Amityville house would be another one yep. that I would be that I would find the, uh, um, you know, dreadfully scary. Cool though is the people that are the subject of Ed and Lorraine Warren are the same people that investigated the Amityville house. They're the same really? people. So the Conjuring and Amityville are intertwined. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. All right, there you go. Um, I find the Amityville incredibly uh, scary as well. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's The Shift. That's Ryan O'Donnell, Brendan Kelly, too. How about we start this, Are You Okay, with a clip that might not make sense. Tequila. Okay, that was an actual audition on America's Got Talent. So, are you okay with my dog shaking in the background? I don't know if you heard that. It's her big flappy lips and ears. Are yeah. you okay with tequila? Yes, love tequila. Love it. Hits it. me in it's the like, face. It, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. But, you know, you can have bad tequila, which is going to be a bad time. You're going to hate it. But good sipping tequila. I had that for the first time a couple years ago. And it, that opened me up to it. I was like, this isn't just like a get drunk liquor. This is like you could just sip and enjoy this. I didn't even think that was a possibility. But I like the flavor. I do. I think it's good. 
especially with the lime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Well, would, when you used to drink Brennan Kelly tequila, no, was it on your menu? Say, even when I used to drink, no, tequila was not really on the menu. Um, I had one or two bad nights. We got it going down and coming back up. And you just remember the, the coming back up flavor more. So mm, the old it just stays cheaper. with you. I can taste it right now. Damn, Montreal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a very Montreal thing Montreal. to happen. <laughs> I, um, that's why Sambuca was always good, because the coming, coming back up part was never so bad. Uh, black licorice. <laughs> Tastes like black licorice. Sambuca. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yummy. All right, so it, I've been actually, uh, Melanie's got me on the uh, the margaritas right now. Oh, yeah. Quite like the margaritas. Me too. Yep. Uh, blended, not blended. Wow. Well, it rarely goes down smooth, but it does get the job done, even for the Pope. Doctors have prescribed a wheelchair, cane, and physical therapy to help heal Pope Francis' bad knee. He has other ideas. According to a viral video of the Pope at the end of the recent uh, audience, Francis quipped that he really needs for the what he really needs for the pain is a shot of tequila. Francis was riding in the Pope Mobile in St. Peter's Square when he stopped near a group of Mexican uh, seminarians from the Legion of Christ who asked him in his native Spanish how his knee was doing. After he replied that it was capricious, they told Francis that they admired his ability to smile despite the pain and that he was an example for future priests like themselves. Como sigue la rodilla? Muy caprichosa. Pero gracias por tu sonrisa, tu alegría por estar aquí a pesar de las molestias. Nos das mucho ejemplo también a los futuros sacerdotes. So the seminarians promised to deliver a bottle to the Santa Marta Hotel where Francis lives of tequila. The Pope is still scheduled to come to Canada in July, which probably should give him Crown Royal or Molson. Yeah, it would definitely be a Crown Royal. Yeah. What would be Canada's liquor? What would be if you had to pick one booze? I I would say okay, well, like a, a cheap beer is a good option, but I would probably I'd say like I think we do a great job with whiskey. Pilsner. Well, we do cheap beer better here than anywhere else in the world. Like our cheap mm. beer is better than anyone else's cheap beer. Mm. But uh, um, like yeah, I'd say whiskey, maple syrup infused liqueur, uh, uh, like Grand Marnier kind of maybe. Oh, the ice uh, Niagara ice wines is <laughs> like getting into yeah, that stuff. Yeah, that too. Yeah. All right. Uh, which I bought a bottle of that. I bought bought a bottle of that. <laughs> Come on, brain. And I had no idea that at the time really what it was. And I poured it like a wine glass <laughs> trying to drink it. Ugh. It's not good that way. <laughs> Just so you know, in case you're ever wondering. 877-399-9898. Let's do one more, shall we? Are you okay with Banksy? Yeah, I like his art. I think it's pretty sweet. I especially like the one where he did all the rats on the train in New York. All the rats like living on the train. That was neat. Nobody knows who Banksy is. I was going to say, is it one guy? Is it multiple people? I don't know. And I always read his name wrong, too. Every time I see his name, I always call him like Basky or Bapansky. (laughs) I get that. I get that. Trust me. Yeah, Ryan does, right? Uh, The notorious (laughs) anonymous artist is known for his artwork and public art stunts, especially this one. 
connoisseurs could only watch in horror as an expensive piece was shredded before their eyes. No sooner did the gavel come down to mark the sale of Banksy's Girl with Balloon for a record $1.4 million did the picture start to slip out of its frame into shreds below. The anonymous artist claims to be behind the stunt. On Instagram, he posted a photo of his prank with the caption, Going, going, gone. In a later post, he explained how he did it. And it seems this stunt was years in the making. He claims he built the shredder into the painting's frame in case it ever sold at auction. Now, to th- that was fascinating, by the way, and everyone was so shocked. Uh, to this day, nobody really uh, knows who Banksy is. A theory is, but his identity has caused a UK councillor to quit his job. William Gannon of Pembroke Docks Bufferland Ward is stepping down with immediate effect due to allegations he secretly cult graffiti artist known as Banksy. Gannon said the allegations is undermining his ability to work on the council. A former Pembroke dock councillor said comparisons were made because he is a community street artist and worked in similar places in similar times to where Banksy was putting his art. He said, but that doesn't make me Banksy. There were thousands of us there. Other people said his date of birth was fake and alleged his real name was Robin Gunningham who has previously been rumored to be the secret street artist. Now that's sneaky politics, right? If you want to get the oh, politician yeah. out, right, just accuse him of being someone like that, and then there's nothing that, that they could do. I think that's pretty sneaky. Although, let's just also acknowledge that in Canada, you can be convicted of trespassing for being an eco-terrorist and still become the energy uh, minister. And there, where they are, you can be a, a graffiti artist and still get elected to council. So, you know, always got a second chance. Yay. Would be really funny was if it was Banksy though. That'd be cool. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.